0: Something is bubbling among women today. Women crave honest stories that entertain, motivate, and move them. Women want reinforcement that they are not alone in feeling the way that they do and that they can feel good about their prospects. Stories and Strategies for Women podcast will share riveting stories about amazing women. I'm your host, Claudine Walk. A good story well told is powerful. A Good story can motivate. A good story can inspire action. Claudine here. We are very excited to welcome a new sponsor. It's iBobs at iBobs.com. I discovered iBobs years ago when I needed readers. If I needed to wear glasses, I wanted them to be fun to wear and fun to buy. iBobs fits the bill and makes buying glasses super easy. Wondering what frames look the best on you? Check out the style quiz on the site to help you find the perfect frames. I love my latest pair called. What inheritance? A cool light blue color. But my go-to favorite pair is called Clearly in Purple. See, even the names are fun. IBob's is offering a special discount for stories and strategies for women listeners. Enter promo code Strat 10 spell the end, at the checkout to receive a 10% discount today. That's ibobs.com. Welcome to Stories and Strategies for Women. I'm your host, Claudine Wolk. With us today is Angela Jovenet. She's an entrepreneur, business owner, and podcast host. Welcome, Angela. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So Angela has done something pretty amazing. She took a risk and she started her own business. She saw a need in the marketplace and she filled it. Then she went on to highlight other small businesses like hers so that they too could experience success. So why don't we start with your story, Angela, and what your business idea was and what it's become? Sure.
1: Well, um, I started actually in corporate America when I was growing up and when I was in college making my Goals for myself as a as a young twenty uh, something. I always envisioned myself in corporate America. I am actually the daughter of an entrepreneur, but for whatever reason, the grass always looks greener on the other side, and I always envisioned myself in big companies. You know, corporate travel, big big companies, big names. And I started there. Uh, I started in New York City. I started in IT consulting, got my MBA in finance, moved on to Johnson & Johnson. And from there, I started to feel the itch, the entrepreneurial itch. And uh, I was a newlywed. I was in my mid-20s. And it was the beginning of a recession, actually. And I just felt that I had to do something. I, I knew that I would always regret not trying. And so at the time I had a few different business ideas. And my sister and I actually both wanted to become entrepreneurs. So early on, we threw a couple of ideas out into the world and we were working on a couple of different startup ideas. And originally, my main goal was to become an event planner because I was doing events internally at Johnson & Johnson and sort of fell in love with event planning on top of my finance job. Uh, But slowly, because I have an IT background, I started to get uh, involved in the world of publishing and media in my local community in Bucks County Pennsylvania and we stood up a lifestyle website about the area that didn't exist and like you said it was beginning to fill a need and just like a lot of things we followed demand demand and the demand was people were calling us about bucks happening and so we sort of pivoted all of our attention to that one sort of business idea that we had and went from there. And from 2009, when I left my corporate job and my corporate salary to start on my own, we grew Happenings Media and we've been in business for about 12 years now. So That's amazing. from there, we've just be- continued to grow and iterate that media business. You have three, no, four websites, but the company is happeningmag.com. The company is called Happenings Media, but the URL we use for our lifestyle websites is Happening Mag. And currently, there are four Happening Mags: it's Bucks Happening, Monco Happening, Philly Happening, and Hunterdon Happening. And that's really. Um, kind of evolved over time as well. We, at one point, had about 30 happening mags across the country. Um, and we made a strategic decision at a certain point in time to go deep instead of wide with our, with our ideas. And we can talk about that more. But currently, we, you know, we maintain our lifestyle magazine brands for the Philadelphia region. And in addition, we have started a new brand called Extraordinary Small Business, which is catering to the small business owner community.
0: Fantastic. Okay. And that's associated with your podcast because you're also a podcast host, which is also called Extraordinary Business, right? Extraordinary Small Business. That's Extra- right. Yep. Extraordinary Small Business. Okay, great. Yes. Neat. Okay. So that all evolved. But back yes. when you were making the decision to leave your corporate job, I'm wondering if you would mind sharing what that experience was like and how hard it was to make that decision and take that risk. It was a really hard risk, uh, really hard decision to make. It's such a
1: big risk. Um, Most people they're psychologically um, averse to risk. And so people, people who you love, people who care about you, people who you're consulting and asking for advice, they're telling you not to take the risk because they're afraid for you to fail. And you kind of have to, if it means that much to you, you have to break through that mindset to say, What am I more afraid of, failure or never trying? Um, Because unless you've been through it as an entrepreneur, that general mindset of stay away from things that are scary and stay away from risk, that's going to be the general consensus of people who care about you. And so I thought about it. It, it, it wasn't something that I went into lightly, and in fact, I had had other business ideas that I had written full business plans for in my even before my last job. I, I had had some fits and starts, scared myself out of it, decided not to do it, and it got to a point in my mid twenties, and I was newlywed, and I had a really great job, and I was happy at my job, but. I knew that I would, there was something inside me that I wasn't fulfilling and for me and everybody is different, but for me, I felt like I don't have kids yet. Um, Now would be a great time to start a business because I can give my all to it. And on the, Unideal side, like I said, it was in the middle of a recession, but I kind of had to weigh that. You know, do I try to do this in the middle of a recession or do I wait until I get a little bit older? For me, I felt like that risk had to be taken at that point in time, and I had to go against so to speak a lot of people who loved me i had to really listen to my internal dialogue and and what really mattered to me in life and no matter what anybody says making a decision like that is not something that ends your career ends your decision trees in life and i think one thing for me that was so so i'm so thankful for to this day is i went to my boss and i told him i wanted to leave and he said he, he crystallized what I hoped, which was you will always have a place here. If you ever want to come back, just having that in your back pocket gives you the permission that, you know, go ahead, try to aim for the, the stars. If you fail, there are other ways to change, you know, to go back and, and change paths again. And and that's what I did. But, you know, um, it, you have to really, at that point in time, It's it's, you're really vulnerable, and so you really have to listen to yourself. You, you know, of course, you want to get ad- advice from people you love, but you have to take it with
0: a grain of salt. Well, you must have had an amazing boss. Can you tell us more <laughs> about him? <laughs> we should let the <laughs> listeners know that my my uh, husband was Angela's boss. Yes, he and was, uh, at the time. <laughs> was was it a surprise that he said you always have? A I I mean. I did,
1: certainly didn't expect it to come out of his mouth <laughs> he is has always been one of the most supportive people I've ever met in lots of different ways but it wasn't I, I didn't go into the conversation expecting that I never expected him to be like angry that I wanted to leave it wasn't like I was leaving the company to go to a competitor or take trade secrets with me I expected him to be su- somewhat supportive and 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 that it's in that respect, but I never expected him to go so far as to give me that kind of confidence to be able to go out into the world and and succeed.
0: Yeah. And I think it it goes to how great of a employee worker that you were that, (laughs) that, you know, and he would never hold anyone back. You know, that's, that's in his MO and that's a good lesson, isn't it? As a business owner.
1: You just never know where future paths lead. Like there's no reason to not wish people well on their journeys. We're not all meant to take the same journey. So
0: it was, it is a really great lesson. I'd agree with that. And you mentioned in, I've listened to a few interviews that you've done in other places that the need for you to to try this was so great that you you just had to do it. And I'm wondering just from a personality perspective, if you've ever reflected on what it is about your personality that made it so important to try.
1: You know, I often wonder if it's a nature or nurture thing. Mm-hmm. It's always been in my personality to make things. As long as I can remember, I was the kid with the making your own jewelry and trying to sell it. And um, like I said, I grew up the daughter of um, a business owner of an entrepreneur. So it was never not in my wheelhouse that if something didn't exist, you just created it. I went to an all girls high school where it was a total jock school. And I was a dancer my whole life. um, And I all throughout high school was creating dance opportunities um, in my high school. In my college, I went to college, there was no dance company. I went and founded the dance company. So it was just the way I was wired. And part of it was, uh, like I said, I mentioned, I was a dancer. I've always been very balanced in that, like having a very spreadsheet IT background, accounting background, but also artistic and dance and, and um, creativity. And I struggled a lot in my early career trying to satiate both sides of those desires in a typical job, so to speak. So, you know, I, I often wonder what it, it was the way, I don't know if it was nature or nurture, but it was the way that I evolved over time and I couldn't see myself not designing. A future for myself
0: you also mentioned that when you made the decision you were just newly married i'm wondering if you would share how that conversation went with your new yeah. husband
1: yeah well he what he was and always has been an extremely supportive husband he we made the decision right before we got married to purchase a home Which I think if I had been a little bit more honest with myself that I did see entrepreneurship in my future, maybe we would have made slightly different choices there. <laughs> um, but in general, he, he was a very, he is a very supportive husband. Um, but I will say to people, you know, I think the important thing to understand is there's a difference between supportive and walking through it with you. There are a lot of times when my husband, maybe he doesn't know the right advice to give me. Or he doesn't know the right words to say or how to direct me, it's, it's a little unbalanced in that way because I've walked in his shoes in corporate America. So when we talk about his work, I'm sort of able to put myself back into that framework and, and walk through it and talk about things with him, whereas he's never been an entrepreneur. So there's really, in my mind, a difference between saying, I support you and you know I think what you're doing is great and telling people, oh, my wife, this, my wife, that, and you know, expecting him to be able to go back and forth with me on every single tr- problem or idea that I have. And that's a place where throughout my entrepreneurial career, I've had to look for those types of mentors um, because it's not fair to <laughs> expect that all from my husband. But my husband has been certainly very, very supportive. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Because, yeah, I mean, having a new house and starting, deciding what, whether or not to start a family, I mean, those are big yes. issues. And, and you're saying, you know what, I'm going to drop out of the traditional route and try something completely new takes a huge leap of faith on the part of your partner. Right.
1: And I think w- when we had the conversations about have, making, having a family and that type of thing, I think the part of the conversation that I brought forward was this is going to allow me to design my life. Most people take a job and then they design their life around the confines of that job. Whereas I felt like I could get everything I needed out of my career and more by making it, designing it exactly the way I saw fit. And so for me, you know, I am a mother now at the time I was not, but, um, I am a mother now. And I do think that, um, I do have a lot
0: more flexibility in in that way because I make my own schedule. I call the shots right and And the business was pretty well established by the time you started to have children, I think, as a small business owner, you never feel like it's established. <laughs> That's fair, but yes.
1: I was several years in. I had, you know, help with the business. By the time I uh, had children, I always joke that my my first baby, my business had to grow up a little bit before I could have my second child. But yes, I think I. I there are lots of women who do start businesses before children or while they're having babies, and like major props to you. Um, I just, I know for me in my startup years, I was up till four o'clock in the morning routinely. And I, that was the life I led and, and that's not the life I lead today.
0: Right, right. Okay, good to know. Good advice. We're speaking with Angela Jovene, and she is the owner of Happenings Media, right? And her websites, and I'm sure if you're local to the Philadelphia area, you've heard of them PhillyHappening.com, BucksHappening.com, MontcoHappening.com, and they provide information for anyone who's looking for, oh, I'm sorry, in HuntertonHappening.com, anyone who's looking for what's going on in those areas. uh, And another big thing that you do that your company provides is a happening list. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. We
1: run these lifestyle mags and um, we started calling them lifestyle magazines early on because at the time people didn't understand what a blog was. And so we wanted to really establish ourselves as a publication. We didn't want people to see this as a hobby. And so um, it's a bit of an antiquated, I guess word now to say like digital digital magazine, but that's the really the way we see ourselves. Um, And we write lifestyle content. We're not trying to give you your news. We don't, follow politics, we don't do that kind of thing. We focus on what brings joy to the community, things like small business, things like local charities, uh, community events, that kind of thing. And naturally, when you run that kind of business, you meet a lot of people in the community, all the business owners, all of the charity owners, all of the people who are contributing to the fabric of the community. And it isn't uncommon for lifestyle magazines to run a best of contest And so at the time, we didn't see someone in our community doing it well in a digital format. And we still, I think, do it the best in the area. Um, And so that's where the happening list was conceived. We wanted to create a people's choice voting contest. And at this point, we have over 230 categories on each of our happening lists. Wow! It goes from best hairstylist to best pizza to best local charity to best bartender and people really go crazy for it it's such a fun time the community really rallies it's a time for people to celebrate local it's a time for businesses to utilize the happening list to create camaraderie on their team it's something to celebrate and we really take it seriously we get um, last year we got about a million votes oh my goodness. Um, across the four sites and we accounting background. We audit the heck out of these these things. Um, (laughs) Good to
0: know. Good to know. We do a lot of
1: work on our end to really make the fairest competition that we possibly can. And then when we release the winners, we, except for in COVID year, do a big bash and we do a red carpet. The events range from 200 people to 500 people in attendance. They walk the red carpet, they they celebrate their win, they receive their award. And it's just a really fun thing that we believe
0: does a service to the community in a lot of ways. Absolutely. So when you started the business, there were other websites, trying to do the same kind of thing that you were doing, you clearly pulled ahead, uh, were able to make a huge success of it. What was the difference between what you did and what they did, would you say?
1: There are a lot of people who, even to this day, I'll see a little pop-up startup and try to do lifestyle and then go away. I think the Big thing is that it's a lot of work. It sounds like a really fun business, and, and it is. But a lot of people start a local lifestyle business and they think, oh, I'm going to go to restaurants and going to go to business openings and ribbon cuttings. And they don't realize how much work is involved on the back end making customers happy. Getting customers, covering different areas, and and the editorial is really the the easy part when it comes down to it because there is never a shortage of stuff to cover in the area. But at the end of the day, sales is what's going to make a business. It's the difference between a business and a hobby. And so unless you're you're willing to sell a product and make yourself vulnerable and learn how to sell and be an authority on something and and have a revenue stream, you aren't going to be able to have a business that's sustainable. And to that end, it takes a long time for sales to start to come in. I think that's the biggest thing that not just media, but all small businesses underestimate is how long it really does take to get revenue for a business. And so I think that there's a combination of people who kind of got fatigued of the business because it's it's a challenge and it's a lot of work and also just not having enough sales and not leaving yourself a, enough of a, t- of a timeline to uh, be able to get those sales in and, and to having to move on, so I think we just you know we we had a long term plan. We were in it as a business from the get go. We never saw this as a hobby. We created long term plans. We sold, and
0: um, you know we built on it year after year, and we we never gave up. Yeah, part of that is really knowing exactly. What you're trying to do and how you're going to do it. Did you find that you went through a process of narrowing that down, or did you know right away the target that you, you were trying to reach? It was very iterative. As I
1: mentioned, we had a few businesses coming out of the gate, and by no means did we think this was going to be the main business. We had a product based business called Beamy. I had at one point in my time uh, in, my, in time, Claudine, I had fifteen thousand jewelry boxes sitting in my garage. <laughs> Uh-huh. Um be me be me yes yes be me we had this whole idea <laughs> around Toys and products for girls that were girl empowerment, and um, you know we saw the jewelry boxes. You know you buy this jewelry box for little girls, and it has a princess or a ballerina on it, and we found it quite sexist and limiting. And we had created soccer jewelry boxes and basketball jewelry boxes and all of these different jewelry boxes. And we had this whole and we we were there. And like I said, we were there, and we were doing events. By no means did we think that that this was going to be our main business to the point that we had written business plans for the other two businesses. And there was no business plan for this business. This was a hobby. This was, oh, we're from Bucks County. No one is writing lifestyle. We're going to do this on the side. And it just, like I said, the demand all of a sudden, can we meet you for coffee? We want to talk to you. We want to talk to you. And we were like, oh, like you can't ignore this. And so that's the point in time we decided to sit down and say, well, if we're going to spend this much time on it, we have to make some money on it. And so, no, we didn't know exactly from the get go. But I think. That, that to your point, you do have to know at a certain point. And so we did at that point in time, make a plan. One of the benefits I think we had is that we were not coming from traditional media background. Neither of us, my, and when I say neither of us, I'm talking about my sister, who was my business partner for eight years. Neither of us were coming from journalism. And so we came in actually to the community thinking You know, banner ads don't seem like the absolute best way to advertise. And we started selling content marketing and sponsor content before those were household words. If you think back, it's kind of crazy. If you think back to that time, 2009, like Facebook was barely a thing. Instagram did not exist. Pinterest didn't exist. All of these social media platforms didn't exist. Sponsor content has always been a thing, but it was something that was really only known in Madison Avenue marketing communities. It was not something that small businesses were aware of. And so early on, our gut told us that that was the better way to sell. And that was not the easier way. We were spending a massive amount of time educating small business owners on h- what sponsor content was. Right. And as the media environment evolved, and you know now... I mean, every influencer in the game has a content Partner and a brand partner. This is something 13 year olds know. So we don't have to educate on that anymore. Um, But it was something that our gut told us early on, and and we feel proud that we brought it to a small business community very early on.
0: Right. So that's something that would be great to explain in terms of what your website offers. Because yes, you're providing information to the folks who go on the site, but you're also providing a way for businesses to get exposure. So can you explain that part of it? Sure. So obviously as a business that wants
1: to provide information to a community, you have to be able to pay the bills. And so there's really in media two ways to pay the bills. You either create a subscription model and put your your information behind a pay, paywall, similar to the New York Times, or you get businesses to support you and so we believed that the better way was to have businesses support you Um, and being that we are a small we cater almost exclusively to small businesses we try to have products that are available at every different price point. So we offer your... We sort of try to separate our our services into two things. We offer access to the microphone, so to speak, and then we offer the creative and the access to the microphone. So there are people that come in and they say, we want to buy an ad on your website. We do all of our own creative and you know, we're going to buy the ad. Then I have other clients who really want the... M- the advertising but they also want the marketing they want the creative so we do a full-fledged you know typically year-long campaign for them we work on strategy we work on branding we work on messaging and then we build in a bunch of different products throughout the year that will um, reinforce that strategy and those types of products include sponsored articles sponsored video social media inclusion in our newsletter and we try to do a nice mix of things for people based on their needs. So it's not a very one size fits all thing for those higher end clients and we have even evolved it to really involve include more agency type of services from private events custom events to uh, PR. So we're doing you know a little bit of everything for those higher-end clients who are looking for the creative and the advertising. And as you look around at media in general, you sort of see that being echoed across the media landscape. Uh, most media platforms have sort of their ad guys and then they have their studio where they do more of the creative
0: Gotcha. Um, it's an amazing site. And that's, again, if you wanted to get in touch with Angela Jovenet, it's happeningmag.com to get more information. One of the things that I think entrepreneurs are looking for is advice to get started. You know, what what would be the biggest piece of advice that you would give? Because you're no slacker. I mean, you have your <laughs> MBA, you've got IT background, you've got finance background, you've got like two of the biggest pieces of what it takes to run a business. Does every entrepreneur need those things, do you think, in order to succeed? Heck no.
1: Look, <laughs> at, look at some of the most successful entrepreneurs out there. They've, they haven't graduated college. They, I mean, it's certainly nice to have had the formal training, but what you really need is a work ethic. What you really need is a Google search bar. That's really it. Everybody is capable of learning everything for them, from themselves. The only thing that is stopping you is you. So, you know, my advice is don't expect things to be done for you. In the beginning, you have to do your marketing. You've never done marketing? Go to YouTube. <laughs> you, you know, in the beginning, you have to do all of your own bookkeeping, accounting, and finances. You don't know what a PL is? Go to YouTube. It's all there. Um, you don't have to be an expert right away, but you do have to learn. And even if you expect later down the line to be able to hand off those types of services to either a a vendor or someone that you hire, it's really important that you understand, have a, a working knowledge of all of the pieces of your business for your own safety so that you aren't taken advantage of later on. So I guess my advice to anybody who's looking to start is to just Roll
0: up your sleeves, right? And I, I like I love the story that you told um, that you and your business partner just had a feeling about how it was going to be better for businesses to get their their story out there, and you went with it. So trust your gut, maybe, or you know, even trust if you have your a gut, yeah,
1: absolutely trust your gut, but also be very willing and able to admit when you're wrong. There have been lots of times when you're wrong. You should trust your gut, but also measure. And if it's not working, be ready to pivot. Be, be open to the idea that you might have been wrong because that, keeping the ball rolling is what's going to make you successful. Getting stuck. Look at them, like again, I'm in media. Look at media. The, the businesses who are set up in media for the future are the companies who understand that the landscape changes. By the day. And the people who think that they can just put their heads in the sand and act like they can just stay on the on the sh- sinking ship, those are the media companies that are falling apart in, in the end. So yes, trust your gut, but also understand that your business today
0: will never be your business tomorrow. And it certainly won't be your business in a year. One of the things that we've talked about in the past was the fact that you, you are a very creative person And ideas just come at you all of the time. And, you know, you have a notebook you mentioned. Can you tell us about that? I have all the notebooks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, tell us about that because there's only 24 hours in a day and you can't execute every idea that you have if you're that type of person who is constantly getting ideas. I always joke that my notebooks look
1: like a beautiful mind because I for what I, I always buy lined notebooks, but for whatever reason I just can't write in order. Pieces of notes are on the other margin and they're in little blurbs. And then usually like once a week I take my all my notes and I use Evernote. I, I'm a big proponent of Evernote. It's a cloud based online note taking app that I've been using since the beginning of my career. And it's totally searchable. So I can search something and and have it something from 10 years ago come up in my notes. So I'll usually take all my chicken scratch notes and I'll reorganize them at the end of my week into Evernote. And I access Evernote from my phone. I can access it from my computer. I can give access to notes to some of my employees. So I take notes of all different kinds. And I also, like you said, I do have a lot of ideas and I I have the instinct to always want to start 15 things at once. So I've started to try to discipline myself in a way that I have ideas. They go in this one Evernote, I have that says like long-term planning or ideas, and I'll put them there, and I let them marinate. And that way, I feel like okay, it's captured somewhere. But you know, just because you had the idea doesn't mean you have to start it overnight and and see which ideas are the are the best. Because sometimes when you're doing too many things at once, nothing actually gets done. So I I do really you know find that the keeping the notes and being able to lo- look back at them is very helpful.
0: And it is a relief personally when you can write it down. And it's not sitting in your head anymore. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I can I don't have the best
1: memory. So I feel like this way I can let myself give myself permission to let the idea go because it's not forgotten. It's just on a on a page somewhere.
0: Very good. And one of those great ideas was creating the extraordinary small business podcast. And you are the host. And how is that going? What season are you in? And how does it relate to your business, your current business?
1: Sure. So as I mentioned, we work with local small businesses. All, almost all of my clients are local small businesses. And I got into podcasts a few years ago, just like the rest of the world did. I became an avid podcast listener. And I, I, w- I really loved this one that a lot of people love, which is called How I Built This um, by Guy Raz. And it's an NPR podcast. And he does these great interviews with successful business owners. And I, fe- I fell. I in love, but I also thought no one is ever going to tell these stories of these small business owners that I work with beca- on something like how I built this. Because he's talking to the founder of Lululemon and Cliff Bar and you know big household names, and certainly I would like to know their stories as well. But the people I work with locally, they have amazing small business uh, small business stories too. So that was really the like sort of seed for the idea. And then I just started to think, I, I love working with the local businesses in the Philadelphia region, but there's so many small businesses across our country and across the world. And being able to start a podcast that speaks directly to small business owners allows me to serve a greater audience. And for me, and the reason I call it small business, and I don't... Use the word entrepreneur is in my mind, those are if you have had a Venn diagram of entrepreneurs and small business owners, there is an overlap. But I think there's a huge, a much greater emphasis on entrepreneurship that at, over small business. And in my mind, entrepreneurship is more building a business to sell building a business to scale, building a business to get investors. Whereas in my mind, my tribe, my people, these small business owners are building a business that you're passionate about, building a business to run it, building a business to serve your community. And so I, I don't really hear a whole lot of the entrepreneur media serving that small business audience. So it was sort of all of these ideas sort of swirling around in my head that I felt given my 10 plus years of serving a small business audience that I might have some value to add to that conversation. And that's where the brand really came from. Sounds like a perfect fit. And what uh, season are you on? I just finished season two of the podcast. And selfishly, every single time I do an interview for that podcast for Extraordinary Small Business, I get so much out of it. I love hearing the stories. I love focusing on small businesses who have been in business. I try to aim for businesses that have been in business for a couple of years, at least five, maybe more. I like to aim for people who have been knocked down, had had to knock, gotten knocked down and had to f- get themselves up a couple of times. I think that's where the stories really lie. And that's where the lessons are really found for those of us who have have been through it. Um, So that's that that's a little bit of a distinction. I, I try not to focus too much on the startup story. I feel like that part of the story gets told in a lot of different ways. I like to talk about the failures, the lessons learned, the the sort of parts we like to brush under the rug when we're, you know, promoting ourselves, the parts that don't sound as glamorous, because I think the reality is it's not glamorous. <laughs> and I think we should open everybody's eyes to that. And so it's been great. I, I love doing that podcast and you know I, I can't wait to continue to grow that that audience it sounds like you can listen to that podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts correct that's right we have a website extraordinary small business.com, and we're starting to build that website out as a community in and of itself you can actually go on that website and read other small business stories that aren't even covered on the podcast um, it's an extension of the podcast and then the podcast is available wherever get you get your podcasts. so Spotify.
0: Apple, all of the major platforms. Terrific. So one of the things that I like to ask Angela, the guests, uh, before we wrap up, is can you give us an example of one of your favorite books? Sure. Two come to mind, actually,
1: over the last couple of years that I have read. And one is called Grit. It's by Angela Duckworth. She is fantastic. I love that book. It's just about everything we were just talking about. She really dissects the science of what it means to be gritty, what it means to have passion, but also hard work. Um, She looks at it from a very scientific point of view. I love that book. And I've gone back and read it a few times. And the other one that I've read a few times over the past couple years is called Never Split the Difference. And it's by Chris Voss. He is a former CIA hostage negotiator. I can't remember if he's FBI or CIA. He's a former hostage negotiator. And he is... Just such an expert when it comes to negotiation. Um, He gives real tactical tips on how to become an expert negotiator. And are you planning to become a negotiator sometime soon? Look, everybody needs (laughs) negotiations. Whether you are negotiating your raise, you are negotiating to get a sale, or you're negotiating your kids' bedtimes. Everybody is always <laughs> negotiating. It's a very valuable skill.
0: Neat. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for yeah, your contribution. Of and also of thank you for being with us. So we've been speaking to Angela Jovenet. She is the owner Happening Mag, and you can find her at happeningmag.com. She also is the host of Extraordinary Small Business Podcast, and you probably know her from the four websites that cover the goings-on in some of our local areas, phillyhappening.com, buckshappening.com, moncohappening.com, huntertonhappening.com. Thank you so much for being with us. Of course. Thank you. Super fun. You're listening to Stories and Strategies for Women podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a review. Visit me at my website, claudinewalk.com. Drop me a note on Instagram at claudinewalk. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time.